Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Hi, right, what is going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out on Monday. Big weekend around these parts. Big things are going. Yeah, do you have a big weekend? Um, no, I'm Kids. in Boston. Yeah, I had a lot of you know, in family law. stuff. Yeah, hanging out by the pool, kicking it. Good thing. Yeah. yeah, the weather down here is. I think winter is already done, which kind of stinks. Uh, we have a big show for you today. LeBron is frustrated with the Lakers. We're going to dive into that. There's another NBA beef going on out there. Oh, it seems like it. a new week, new beef. Yes. A soccer player, I believe, it was the EPL. Don't okay. get mad at me. English Premier League. Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. It Chelsea. It was Chelsea. Yeah. Refused to leave the game with his coach telling him to get out. So we're going to dive into that. We'll call, touch on the Robert Kraft stuff a little bit too. But before we get really started, did you watch the Oscars? No. Uh-uh. You didn't watch it, but no. you were actually watching the Green Book, which actually won Best Picture. Yes. Right? Yeah. It was, the vote in the house was to watch Green Book. Yeah. yeah. I was signing autographs. That autograph oh, thing right. I asked you about. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, you did a thousand autographs? I got about a thousand and fifty were done and it took me about two hours and like 40 minutes. So you must have really like R, you did the R pretty good and the B pretty good. R, B, 19, <laughs> baby. at the like end. A stamp. Yeah, that's, that's good yeah. though. It's impressed though. Good for you for getting that done. Thanks. Uh, the Oscars were good. I thought they were kind of lame. I am, uh, I apologize to Adam Lambert. Uh huh. Do you know who that is? No. So they did this to start the show because they didn't have a host. Right. Uh, because of the Kevin Hart controversy. Right. They didn't have a host. They started off with Queen doing like this big, you know, we will rock you stuff. Okay. And so they had Adam Lambert, who was on American Idol. I saw him give an interview about before. I saw him yeah, on the red during carpet. During the show, yeah. I was not aware that he's like the standard, like he's the lead singer of Queen now. Like oh. I, I just thought he was doing it like because they found somebody with his voice. But apparently that's his gig. That oh, he is doing. He's touring with Queen. Yeah, he's yeah. touring with Queen. All right. How did it? Go, how did it go off without a host though? How was that? Was yeah, it disjointed? It yeah, yeah, it was really disjointed. Yeah. It was hard. It was. It was. I'm not a huge award show guy. But like one of the things I usually like is when they have a big opening monologue and sure. they sing. Like Ellen has been great. Right, get some had humor up there. Show. Yeah, it just was weird. They did the Queen, "We Will Rock You," right. which everybody was on their feet. They gave him a rousing ovation. For me, it's just hard to see Queen without Freddie Mercury. I'm like, no one. I don't care who you got out there. It just wouldn't live up to it. So I'm like, why do it? Yeah, that's what I get with it. It almost feels like you're at a. You know those like bars where they have bands that are like knockoffs and they just play every song. Yeah, they, it felt a like cover that. band. Yeah, it felt yeah. like a cover band, right? Because he wasn't out there. But um, yeah, that was my Oscars experience. All right. Congrats to the Green Book though for winning. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It was good. It yeah. was really good. Uh, you know what's not been good in Hollywood uh, is the Lakers. <laughs> so professionally done. See that? That's fantastic. So they lost to the Pelicans without Anthony Davis on Saturday, one twenty-eight to one fifteen. And what happened? It's almost like this team. So when I coach. My kids, right. specifically golf, when I'm caddying for my daughter, I tell her, I'm like, go like this. You want to have like a heartbeat like this, just right even across, right? Sure. You don't want to be, woohoo, things are going good or things are bad. You're way yeah. down here. Like I try to keep even keel. Like you want to celebrate, obviously, but you don't want to get too high or too low. It seems like the Lakers are either all or nothing. Like yep. everything's great and all of a sudden they're going to make the playoffs or everything's awful. This was one of those bad games where, you know, they lost. So LeBron afterwards calls out some of his teammates. He said, basketball, if that's not the most important thing, then why are we doing this? Is this the most important thing in your life at this time? You give it all to the game, and if you feel like you're giving your all to it, then you have nothing to look back on, and you can do other things. But if you feel like you haven't given as much as you can, then you can't focus on anything else. Is this fair for LeBron to call out his teammates? Um, If he has some knowledge of guys that 
aren't putting in the type of effort that is required to be successful in the NBA, then I do think it's fair for him to, to criticize because it's your job and it's affecting his ability to do what he wants to do. So I don't know, you know, because I'm not there, whether, whether some of these guys are burning the candle on both ends, whether they're, you know, leaving the arena. Usually when you're in it, when you're in an NBA, you know, uh, uh, you're on a team, um, there's a, there's a, there's a required amount of work that you're going to do on your own. Like after practice, I'm going to find a coach and I'm going to ask him to get up a couple hundred threes with me. You know what I mean? So like when practice ends and the last whistle's blown, if you got a guy that's playing major minutes on your team, just hopping into the shower and getting out of there, you know, if he's not hitting the weight room, if he's not going to, to the training room to get like, you know, the, the ankle that's sore worked on and then he's just rolling back out there tomorrow and it's affecting his ability to do his job. Um, those things can stop you from winning games. And so I think it's fair for LeBron to criticize if he know, if he has knowledge of guys not doing what they need to do to be the best professional that they can be. But I just want to say something about that. And I know you got, we'll, we'll get into some more stuff. We talked about flipping a switch. So LeBron activates. Yeah. That's great, Holmes. Like, good for you. I always say, like, it's not whether LeBron can activate or not. He made me a believer in that he can do that. It's whether the guys around you can activate with you. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, you're in activate mode, and these guys are sitting around like, what is activate mode? Like, what am I supposed to do? And you've you develop habits over 50-odd games in terms of, like, this isn't like making or missing shots or making an extra pass. These are details. Like, is it important enough for me to make that second step on my rotation? You know, is it important enough for me to really remember 95% of the time the, the pick and roll coverage the right way? Is it important enough? The details, if you've trained yourself to not care about them, Young players, it's impossible in the 53rd game of the season for them to say, oh, okay, now I'm going to do it all correct. You've got, you've trained yourself to do it all incorrectly. Right. And that's what LeBron was talking about when he continued. He was talking about having a losing mentality. He said, quote, the last few years, everyone's so accustomed to the losses that I'm just not accustomed to. I'm not accustomed to it. I will never get comfortable with losing. So losing game one to Houston at home, it feels the same way as losing game 59 in New Orleans to me. It's just how I'm built. That's who I am. Uh, I have a question for you because I saw some of this going around on social media after LeBron made these comments. Do you think it's hypocritical for him? Now, see, here's where I think LeBron does, because I've seen him and he posted on Instagram, but I do think he puts in extra work. I do think he gets into the gym. I do think he lifts. I think he does all the things that it takes to be there. But I also know he has a lot of projects on his plate. Like he has the shop that's coming out this Friday, you know, yes. the episode with Anthony Davis and, uh, Antonio Brown that we yes. all can't. So he's got a, he also, one of the reasons he went to Hollywood supposedly was so that he could start growing his, you know, his empire and, and expanding out to other avenues. If he's doing those in season, could you see the guys rolling their eyes and be like, well, yeah, he wants us to work, but he's over there taking time to go film an episode of the shop. There are levels to this. So while, yeah, I could see where they may say that, he's earned the right to do that. Like, this, this is a guy who is in the conversation for the GOAT. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he does, you know, part, okay. One of the biggest things from going from college to being a pro is your ability to manage your own time. Like, when you're in college, your time is managed for you for the most part. Like, it, it, it's managed less than it was in high school, but it's it's still managed for you. You've got certain classes you have to be at. There are study halls you have to be at. There, there, there are only certain times where you can eat at your training table, uh, your practices, and your wait times. Like, all of that is, is, is regimented for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you only got a few hours at night to really do your own thing. Becoming a pro, you're in there for three hours. The rest of that time, you have to figure out how to manage. LeBron is a pro. Like, he has he can manage his time. So he can do the projects with the barbershop and all of that. 
but still get in there and put an hour and a half in on his body, still get an extra hour like of shots up, you know, get in there and, and, and get whatever massages he needs to do. So he's able to manage that time. So to a young guy who can't really do it as effectively, you, you don't get to say, like, LeBron's doing it. Why can't I? Lebr- yeah, LeBron gets to do it because he knows how to do it. He can handle it all, and he can still come out there and give you a product that can translate into winning. So while I could see where they might be, you know, like the pot calling the kettle black with LeBron saying that, you don't get to compare yourself to LeBron. You just right. don't. You haven't earned the right to do that. I totally agree with you, but I don't know if it goes well in that locker room. Yeah. I feel like they're younger, and it's a different generation. And, I, of course, everybody respects LeBron, but I wonder if there's some undertone. And I still think there's a lot. There's a cloud hanging over him because of the trade, the possible trade. Sure. They were all floated out there. So I just wonder what it's like there. I have a question for you. When you go in on an off day, because, like, in the NFL – off days, you're off day. Like, you go home. It's voluntary. So then, like, other days, you have assigned stuff that you have to do. And typically, during the season, it's Monday. You know, it's kind of your lowest, like, lift. Like, you go in and you lift and you watch film. Right. I'll have, like, a chart on there. It'll say, like, all right, you're going to start. You're going to have to be here at 10 a.m. You're going to lift between 10 and 1130. And then we're going to start watching film at 1130. Then we're done by 230. And then you guys are on your own. Yeah. Same type of like, is it that structured for you? Like minute by minute or is it, Hey, there's going to be a shoot around. You can come anytime between 11 and one or whatever the time. This is an off day. Yeah. Well, on an off day, it would be purely on, on you. Like some guys might not go in on an off day, but when you go in, like usually, you know, the resources are available to you. So if you go in, um, the trainer will be there. If you need some treatment, however you want your day to go, right? You might get shots up first, then you might bounce over in the strength and conditioning guys in the weight room. You get your hour lift, whatever you want to work on or whatever he wants you to work on. You know, and then you go cool down with the trainer and ice up and do. So whatever your day wants to look like, all of that is available to you on an off day. There will be guys that choose not to go in. And if some of these guys are guys that choose not to go in on an off day, it's like, yeah, they're off days, but they're not off days, right? Like it's like, how many of the off days, like during the season, will they actually have practice? Or does it depend on the team? No, you're going to practice a lot. Like you're going to come in. A lot of guys will bring you in. Right. Like, when I was with the Jazz, like and and Tyrone Corbin, like, he was bringing you in, and it became a thing. Like your off day was now coming in to ride a bike. Like and everybody would have a spin class together to kind of flush your legs out. So that wasn't really an off day. Do you right. know what I mean? But there are other teams that if you've got vets that you trust. They can handle their body and they know what it takes to be ready to play. They'll give you a day off where you don't even have to come in. You can just be with your kids and do what you want to do. And then that becomes like me. I was a guy like the shots up. Mm-hmm. So I probably sneak in there like, you know, in the afternoon, once the place cleared out, you know, I take my wife or something and, or, or one of my boys and we go in there and I get up a couple hundred shots and, you know, and, and, and just mess around with them on the court or something like that. So it kind of depends on the team you play for. Right. Gotcha. Uh, did you, when you were traveling, did you ever leave a player behind like on the charter jet or did you ever leave anybody? I want to say we did. I don't remember who we <laughs> right. left. But I think we that was left. always a thing. And the <laughs> coach's biggest threat was like, if you're late to practice, we'll find you. But if you're late to a game, we are leaving. We're leaving. Like, we're right. gone. <laughs> so apparently the bus. That left. depends on who you are, though. I oh, told yeah, my story. Right. Yes. I got multiples of those. That bus will wait for certain people. Right. right. Some coaches, some coaches are hardline, though. But so it's, it's a different, yeah. different organization. <laughs> like, who, like I think Vince Young got left behind by the Titans when he was there. I think Jeff Fisher left right. him behind. It doesn't matter on who you are, who the organization is. Yeah. But apparently Luke Walton was coming out, like talking to some reporters, kind of leaving the, uh, the arena. Uh, and all of a sudden they realized that the Lakers bus had left. Not a good look. Now, the bus came back for him, which I think is huge. Cause if it didn't, then yeah. it's horrible look but i just wonder because the players want to get out of they want to get out i wonder if they're all like let's go let's go let's go bussy like you just get on them and then they left that's fantastic it's not and how did they find out they left him like hey where's coach but they're wondering about his job security and stuff it's a bad look that the bus leaves look so i was the guy right like in phoenix 
when it was time to go, like we'd have like 75% of the people on the bus. And right. like there are two buses, like the NBA locker rooms, like when the game's over, like bus one's going to leave at, I don't know, nine. Mm, right. Bus two's going to leave at 9.30. Like so guys that like to linger and whatever. But inevitably, I was a dude on the first bus. Like I'd be yelling, let's go. <laughs> right. Yelling every two minutes to the bus driver. So hopefully he'd just be like, all right, we're out of here. You exactly. Know I mean? yeah. Sounds like that. Somebody was yelling, let's go <laughs> to Luke Walton. And then they thankfully they went and got him. But right. I do think it does. It's kind of a, a picture, a metaphor. Yeah. Of what could be happening there uh, with the Lakers. So more drama uh, across the uh, country in Boston still. So the Celtics now, Marcus Smart has, uh, Decided to weigh in yeah. on everything, on the drama there, calling out their toughness. Quote, our toughness, our will to fight, our will to do everything. It's like we don't got the will to do it anymore. I don't know how you can teach effort, will, want to. I don't think you can. You've got to have it. Yeah. We lost to the Bulls, 126, 116 on Saturday. I think this locker room's a mess too. Like if you looked at Vegas odds, who's going to win? I would not touch this team because I do think chemistry matters. I think you're hearing way too many issues crop up in this Boston locker room. I'm with you 100%. This has been something we've had our eye on all year. Um, it's not going away. Things continue to leak out of the locker room. Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is a different kind of player. Marcus Smart, is the perfect like representation for what their team was last year minus Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Up, us against the world, chip on our shoulder, uh, maybe not top end in terms of like pure talent, but man, I make up for that and what I'll do to win a game and, and what I'll sacrifice to, to get the win and how tough I'll fight you for every scrap on the plate. That's what they were last year when that team was able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals you know, without Kyrie and Gordon, right? And as a coach for Brad Stevens, that's an easy team to coach. It yes. is because you're not like everyone is willing already to give up a little bit to make this thing work. Like we're all bought in on this style that we have to play. And then you get Kyrie and Gordon back and it's not Kyrie's nature. Like Gordon has a little bit of that. Gordon's a, they're both tough, mm -hmm. right? But Gordon's got a little bit more like, like underdog. He went to Butler. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't the number one pick in the draft. Like, so he's got a little more edge. But Kyrie ain't built like that. Kyrie's like, yo, dude, he's I had everything given to him. Basically. Yeah. Now he's a bad boy. Right. But like that mentality, and, he, and he's a killer. But the mentality isn't always to be like down in the trenches doing the dirty work. And when you've got guys that that are reintroduced into that into that locker room, and they don't have the same mentality as those guys who had achieved like a very high level of success last year, you know, it causes a little bit of friction. Like you have guys looking at each other like. Like, damn, dog, like, we did this without you last year. You just can't get on board with what we're doing. Or, like, you know, Kyrie looking at cast like, yo, you guys had to know I was going to come back and, you know, you were going to have to get off the ball and this is what I'm going to do. Like, there's – and then from Brad Stevens' perspective, you've got not everybody on the same page and wanting to buy into playing a certain way. And that's really the test of a coach. And I've said Brad Stevens, I've said it before, I think he's one of the best young minds in the NBA, and I should stop saying young. I think he's one of the best minds in the NBA. That's in terms of X's and O's and, and purely in-game type stuff. There's another part of coaching at the NBA level, and it's managing people, managing egos, managing situations, right? Uh, managing dynamics. And he's coming up a little short in that regard this year with the reintroduction of like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and those personalities into that mix that he had. And so ultimately, um, they become as good as he is at managing that situation in the locker room. So it sounds to me, and this is just like trying to read the situation, when Marcus Smart is speaking, I think he's speaking Brad Stevens' message, which goes to your point. Like last year it's received really well. we right. got to be tough. We have to put in extra work. And right. he kind of rides him pretty hard. Uh -huh. And now you've got the guys coming in who didn't play last year 
who might not have don't like to work as hard and don't and it's you know when Marcus Morris comes out uh it was a few a couple weeks ago and says it's not fun anymore in that locker room yeah it's just there's a divide there and I think Brad Stevens is probably trying to harp on the work ethic like that's to me when I hear players saying it's not fun that to me says uh oh it seems like it's becoming work which means they're working too hard or right. this player is viewing it like they're working too hard yeah and I wonder like if there's just a disconnect with uh, there's clearly a divide in the locker room clearly and you wonder like whose side it falls on and that's the hardest thing to tell. I know this is unfair to Kyrie and I, I want to, uh, this is an embarrassing thing, but I have to imagine the Kyrie dynamic has, has, has changed that locker room more so than the Gordon dynamic. Everything else is relatively the same, right? All those guys right. are returning. They're all, this, they're all kind of, you know, some of them got paid Terry Rozier, but he still plays with an ultra chip on his shoulder too. Marcus Smart. Brad Stevens is in a, in a tough situation and I want to give him a little credit for this because I don't know how heavy-handed he is as a coach in terms of, look, this is what we're going to do, bro. Right. I don't care who you are. You come in here, this is what we're going to do it. Now, obviously it was easier to do that with young players last year who had real no, no real cachet in the league. It's exponentially harder to do it with Kyrie, if Kyrie is the guy who doesn't want to do it. But you put on top of that that you are going to get pressure from from ownership and, and management because we have to have Kyrie resign. He's a free agent. And so you can't run him off if you're the coach. And that puts an, another level of, of, of like – um Making it very hard for, for Brad Stevens to manage that situation because Kyrie don't, not necessarily on board. And this is just me hypothetically speaking. Right. Um, as a coach, I want to go in there and be like, listen, bro, I'm going to sit you down. Like, if you're not going to get on board, we were Eastern Conference champs last year. You can either get on board or I'll sit you down. Not a problem. But then you got management saying, no, 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 you're not going to do that. Kyrie got to resign. Mm -hmm. So under no circumstances will you be in there telling Kyrie he's going to sit because that's not happening. So if you're Brad Stevens, you're like, what do I do? Right. You know, that dynamic is why I think being an NBA head coach is the hardest job in professional sports because every coach has that dynamic with the star player. Right. Like they really cannot coach them hard or else the players be like, I don't like him. I want a new guy. Right. Unless you're pop, you know, or somebody else that has that much cachet and that many championships where a player is just gonna be like, okay, you're right. I'll just be quiet and go my way. That's why it's so important. And we used to spend so much time in the front office and uh, like trying to figure out who a guy was. Not, not as a player, like not as a guy who can, you know, score 35 points a night and so, but who he was as a person because, you know, you get the wrong one in there. And I'm, this is not about Kyrie or anybody else on the Celtics. This is generally speaking. You get the wrong, really talented guy in there with the wrong mindset and the wrong attitude and the wrong priorities. And to your point, it could derail everything you're trying to do. Like that dumpster fire could be so great that it, that it, that it strips your franchise of years and years worth of like, you know, like wins. Because you gotta start from scratch, cause he's worked his way out of there, and now it's, it's a mess, you know what I mean? New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something, he finds it. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
All right, welcome back. Ken Ellen Bell. So there's another NBA beef. I almost did this, but I realize I'm doing this way too You're doing much. that a lot. Yeah, so I'm, I caught myself. Yeah. I wanted to get it out. So All if right. you see me doing it again, say cut that out. Okay, I got annoying. you. Um, there's another supposed beef between Ben Simmons and Yusef Nurkic. Okay. Right now because Mike's caught these two. Now, I'm curious to know from you. because I, I, I do think the post out. Let me just lay it out there. So there's during the game, Mike's picked him up. Uh, Simmons the, missed the first of two free throw attempts, and Nurkic yelled, hell no. Which evoked, <laughs> <laughs> which evoked quite a few cho- choice words from Simmons. Yeah. He said, you talk a lot of bleep for being a bleep. Simmons said, be bleeping quiet. You talk a lot. Uh, so then post game, Nurkic was asked about it. <laughs> and of course he said the way he's able to shoot or not able to shoot, it's ridiculous. Um, the, uh, not the post game comments, but the, the reaction from the free throw and Ben Simmons basically tell him to shut up. Doesn't that happen all the time? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. I would say that's talking. like typical. Like that's just typical. Dudes are is like, it really this much of a beef? So or is this just these dudes. <laughs> dudes, dudes say like, all right, like, so hell no. Like, yeah, it's obvious. Or, right. He's with us. Like, you know, if somebody's shooting, yeah. like, you know, on the other team, you'd be like, he would, he's with us. Like, cause you know, he's not going to make a shot. He's playing for the other team. <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki was great. Like he said, you say happy birthday. Like if you make a shot and he didn't think you were supposed to make it, he'd be like, happy birthday. <laughs> so guys are talking that they're talking that junk all the time. Um, I think it's interesting that Yusef Nurkic of all people is beefing with like Ben Simmons. I don't, I don't know why those two specifically, they don't really. Don't really have to like go head to head with each other. It just doesn't seem like one that would ever kind of materialize. I don't. So know. this is where I think, and we had this conversation a few weeks ago. Remember when LeBron was playing Simmons and he was covering him under the basket? They had the same game plan. Yeah. Where they let Simmons just hang around the three point line, That's wide tough. open, didn't have anybody on him. So you know that message is being spread around the locker room. I think there's like a lack of respect for Ben. Well, Rashi, Rashi, your boy's on the team now, and it's Cantor. And his canter starts beefs with everybody, so maybe he's just uh, yeah, off is, on him. And this is notorious for his beef starting. How did Ben Simmons play in the game? Did he, did he, see, cause this is, this is going to become a thing for me. Like, if, if Ben, Ben, look, if you want to shoot the ball, bro, like, I know I'm not one of the greatest shooters in NBA history, but like, I can help you with that jump shot, bro. I could give you a couple, a couple little pointers. We don't have to change your form or nothing like that. We have to get Ben to be a serviceable jump shooter. His, his game, is going to require it. And I don't know for what. He had 29, 10, and 7. No, he's fantastic. Yeah, like, it's played it, all right it, against it, Portland. He he's a fine. fantastic player, but he really does need, like, it becomes, well, you know, I guess this is where the brilliance of what they're doing in Philly, like, supplementing with all of these players around him, it's kind of like Giannis, where, like, if he's just not going to be able to shoot, you put a bunch of people around him where they can't help. And what, like, you don't play him, but he's still coming right at you to the rim, you know? And I, I tell young players this, cause there's some kids on our team that don't shoot great. If a guy's gonna give you three, four feet of space, what he wants you to do is start like pawing at like your shot and trying to be confused. Just go right at him. Yep. Pick a shoulder and go right at his shoulder and get downhill on him. Cause, you know, if you give a guy a three foot head start, it's almost impossible to stop him if he's running right at you, you know? And Ben does that really well. But I do think he needs to figure out how to shoot a jumper. Um, Make himself a well-rounded like basketball player because he's a fantastic talent. All right, do you hear that, Ben? Get your lessons right here. I'll come out and rebound. <laughs> there you go. I'll rebound and pass it. There could be a potential problem developing in the NBA. I think it already kind of is. Uh-huh. Uh, Draymond Green is supposedly, reportedly close to joining Clutch Sports. So Clutch Sports is growing at this rapid pace. Right. Um, Rich Paul, who is the agent, uh, 
is gathering all these superstar players. So you've got bigger than Anthony Davis obviously was the big one that presented some problems right. when he was trying to orchestrate the deal to LA. Um, but he also has several other big players. J.R. Smith, Eric Bledsoe, John Wall, Ben Simmons, who we were just talking about. Right. Thompson. Tristan and J.R. don't count. When well, you're talking about big stars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, but I mean, yeah, agreed, agreed. They don't count for big stars. Do you think, like, I don't know what there is to do though. Like, there's nothing you can do. Well, I mean, if, like if you you're get Adam enough, Silver if, and you're up, oh, if you're the league, no, yeah. I was gonna say, what do you mean, clutch sports? There's a lot they can no, do. No, they can, yeah. they can manipulate a lot, but do you think it's problematic for the NBA? Um, not with that. I know. I mean, I, you know, there are plenty of agencies that represent like, you know, like, I don't know, some of those bigger name agents, they have five, six clients. Like, I went to Bill Duffy, like, well, I, don't, I, f- I forget what the name of his thing was, but like, you know, he was repping Mello, he was repping Yao, he was repping, uh, right. most, Nash, he was repping. Most big agents so, have a pretty good collection of So them. I don't, I don't know why that would be any different what than about what Clutch Le- Sports is doing. What about the LeBron connection? Because it does seem like, and I know he's not, he can't, he's not allowed to be formally an owner of Clutch Sports. Right. There's definitely a strong connection with him. And, but it's the same. It's that. the same as any other organization. If he if he is not hands on in the clutch, like you know, uh, um, negotiating and so on and so forth, there's no difference than if if uh, Bill Duffy was 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 working out a deal for Mello, and Mello wanted him to you know somehow find a way to swing a swing something for for Steve Nash in the deal. Do you know what I'm you know what I'm saying? It's the same exact thing. So I really don't have a beef with it. it I, like, look, LeBron and his camp. You can say what you want. Like those dudes are, those dudes are pretty shrewd and they are really changing the game in terms of the empowering of, of the athlete, right? And for the athlete figuring out like how he can have some control in the narrative versus just being happy to get paid. All right. There's a story, not a story. There was a tweet that was sent that garnered a lot of attention from Jason Kirk from SB Nation. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the topic because I think it's something unique. It's unusual. Right. So he sent out a tweet and it said, Name the person who shares your name, famous person who mm-hmm. shares your first name, and then it was, do you think you could beat that person yeah. in physical combat? <laughs> so our genius <laughs> staff here on Canel and Bell right. came up with some hypotheticals of famous Rajas. Not, there aren't that many. Not many of those. There really aren't that many. I actually was Googling to try to look up. There's some Raja Islands. There's like a Raja Amrat really? Islands. I, I don't know. I didn't know that either. Um Yours was who was the director? We found a movie director, or producer, somebody from from movies. Yeah, that got him. That actually, I ain't that, worried about see, that. That's not even fair because you even him. like we can't even find what he looks like. What if the his deal? name is Raja Gosnell? He he directed Never Been Kissed. Raja and then two different Scooby Doo's. So, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't know. Don't I think Raja. I think it's like good that you're the most famous Raja. Um, that's awesome. Know? But yeah, Danny, yeah. Danny, it's it's over for you, dude. Like, why? We have, we have Tell no, me who I can't. Let's no go down fit. this list. Let's go, go down the list. The list. Go. I can take them all. Who are we taking down? All right. So you got Danny DeVito. He's like four foot. Yeah, you got that. I can stomp on him. Danny Glover's like a hundred years Danny old. Danny Glover would I'll tear you apart. Out. Danny Trejo. Right, does he have the machete with him? Yeah. <laughs> machete. If he gets that, I have no chance. Danny Bataducci is yoked. He yeah. actually looks like he needs to drug test because he's like got a psycho in him. Right, right, right. He is Joe. I don't know if I can take him down. Kenny and Powers would definitely. Kenny Powers, I could as long as I can last a couple rounds with him, he'd be gassed. <laughs> I got FitBod working, man. I'm in good shape right now. So I take any one of those dudes. I was thinking like, Dan- let's go, Daniel, Daniel Larusso. Karate Kid. Yeah. Like they said it had to be a oh, yeah, Danny. From like, the you know, movie? they were yeah from the yeah. movies, right? Yeah, like, Daniel Sun would have would have been a good. 
Good one. Yeah, but I she swept him. the leg. I could take him too. He's small. Sweep Even the leg. with karate. Yeah. Well, see, the thing to karate, you just get on the inside and then you grapple. Oh, there you go. No you got the answers, bro. I'm telling you, I got the answers so, for all of them. Let's go. There's a Raja that you guys forgot. It's, uh, he's, he's a mythical character. Oh, really? Yeah. He's the tiger in the movie Aladdin. Prince, Princess Jasmine's tiger was named Raja, and I'm pretty Where sure I would not beat him. Raja. You know? Where is, is there a, is there a background like that? Yeah, there are a lot of juniors in my family. My dad's name is Roger. I was born in the Virgin Islands, right? And so the way they pronounce Roger in the in the Virgin Islands is Raja. Raja. You know? And right. so I became Raja. Once they looked up the meaning of Raja, it was like, you know, exalted one, a prince or something like king. And so they were like, yeah, yeah. go with that. Big expectation. Yeah, right? <laughs> all right for yourself, though. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Before we get started, do you guys think I can beat up Hannah Montana? Ah, <laughs> yes, you can get down easy. As you guys Great, we didn't even do that. yours. Yeah. I know. What I was, Hannah's are there? I don't and, know of any more other than Montana. Yeah, you could take her down easy, especially French since Montana? she was only like 14 when she was on that show. Totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Best of both I would hope. <laughs> All right, so we were talking about this in our group chat yesterday. Danny, you talked about it at the top of the show. So a Chelsea goalkeeper refused to be substituted against Manchester City. So with the tie <clears> approaching a penalty shootout, this guy went down after suffering a cramp. The manager tried to substitute him, but the 24-year-old simply refused. You can see him there. So Chelsea went on to lose to Manchester City in the cup final shootout. So can you guys imagine a player refusing his coach's instructions in any other league and then going on to lose? That was fantastic. You love that he waved off his coach? I'm, no, I just love the <laughs> drama of it. Like, if I was his coach, I would have fought him. Like, I would have ran out on the field, tackled That's him. That's his teammate over there coming over there? This Luis. David Luiz, yeah. And the dude's like, no, nah, beat it. I'm not coming out of the game. That's coach is livid. His manager is fired up. Yeah. Oh, my like, gosh. He's like, so get him off the field. how do you think his coach is handling it now, like this week? Well, the weirdest thing was he, the guy came out and was like, he I was meant. still going off. I haven't seen this extended footage of the coach. Just Look, he bounces, then he comes back. But the goalie comes out and it's like, I didn't mean any disrespect. Like, what are you what are you talking about? You didn't mean any disrespect. Right. You totally disrespected your coach. That's the coach. He's in charge. When he says, I have to deal with this again, my kids, the, girl, like, the girls I coach are like, I don't want to come out. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I can't fathom having that mindset where you're like telling the coach, nope, I don't want to come out. Yeah. And even worse, not only telling him, but just just staying on the field and giving them the like the wave. Dude, that's Wembley Stadium. That's like the and that's the the yes. NBA of the NFL. Like that's the biggest stage. Uh, for wasn't that for the soccer. championship too? Wasn't that like the Fantastic. final? I don't know. Like I, the I don't biggest know. one out there. If you're gonna do it, you better be damn sure that they you lost win. the game. Not exactly. Like you better make every save I, you had to. I and they didn't. I think the first kick went by them. Then it was, was done. Fantastic. They lost four three kicks. <laughs> I think. All right, totally switching gears here. So you guys obviously both are in Florida. So what? What do you do? You ever go to the mall in the morning and see those mall walkers working out, like trying to get their steps in? Sure. Yes, I think that? when I'm older, I will do that. It's a Florida thing. Yeah, totally. Okay, so Juju Smith-Schuster was walker, giving bro. those. Wait, stop. Walker. Wait, Hannah. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. You're gonna be a mall walker? Yes, it's hot and humid <laughs> in the summertime. I'm talking like when I'm 70, I'm gonna walk the mall. I like shoes. You can peruse, do a little window shopping. <laughs> yeah, that's that's do a little window, window shop. Exactly. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Temperature controlled. All right, continue. I'm sorry, the story is getting a little bit better. Okay. Yes. Juju Smith-Schuster was giving those folks a run for their money. So the Steelers wide receiver was seen at a Florida mall this weekend, oh. joining in on a game of pickup football. He was literally being covered by six people in these clips, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he did almost go through the window at one point. So guys, we've talked a lot about pickup basketball and how some players should stay away from it. Oh. Is this kind of play in the same category as that in the oh. offseason? 
<laughs> or fun and games till somebody goes through one of those. They almost took out BCBG right there. Yeah. Is that the Aventura Mall? It's I was trying to figure out what mall that is. That I might was be trying Aventura. To figure it out too. I don't know. I, that my best guess is Aventura. I love it. He's just having fun. Yeah, I think that's fine. He's not going to hurt anybody. I actually think it's good. Is that, was I, that a spontaneous, like, let's play some pickup? Cause there are a lot of Steelers jerseys there. So it looked like it was, are those his people? Yeah. If it was staged, then I think it's kind of corny. Right. But if it was just, Hey, there were some dudes there with a ball and you just started grabbing it and just having some fun, then I'm cool with it. Who walks through the mall with a football. Yeah. It might have been staged jerseys. just for social media. Then I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. How did those, unless it was one of those flash mobs. Unless they were all like wearing just outfits and they ripped They're them like, off and had Steelers dancing. jerseys on. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> they were breakdancing, Danny. You had to be there. That's all right. right. The Milwaukee Bucks hosted a 90s night on Saturday against the Timberwolves with Ja Rule performing at halftime. But it did not go well for the rapper. I guess Ja Rule complained that he was more of a 2000s artist and not a 90s <laughs> artist. And then during one of the songs, Giannis was over it and he just came out onto the court to start shooting. But in spirit of the recent Fire Festival, the Wolves had some fun with his bad performance, mocking him by tweeting out, quote, we too were hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray. Ja Rule clearly <laughs> did not like that joke. He responded by saying, quote, you just jinxed yourself talking to God this way. You're cursed now. You won't win a championship for the next 30 years. And Cat is leaving. Apologize, and I'll lift the curse. Kiss of death. Hey. So, guys, Ja Rule is really only relevant right now because he's been a joke lately. So this curse has to be a joke too, right? I mean, he's not allowed to give curse. When else? I thought that was base God that was the only dude that gave curse. Remember he had James Harden. He told him to stop doing the, uh, the feed me thing. Yeah. Yeah. Little B curse, whatever they are. He's like, Ja Rule can't come out there and curse somebody all of a sudden. And you can curse whoever you want. Yeah. You just curse. You just throw a hex. Is he a witch? Don't yeah. you have to be something to have to like to throw a curse? I don't know. I, I don't, I really don't know. <laughs> you know what I do? I just assume not be cursed. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter who true. you are. I wouldn't want to matter. Like, what, do I want to be cursed by yeah. a random or not cursed by a random? I just assume not be cursed by a random. I'd rather be curse free. Let me ask you this. I imagine you would have been the dude, like Giannis, who would out there getting up a few extra plans. Oh, I, I would do, Isn't I did that. that big of a deal? Don't guys do that? Like, if the halftime show is taking forever, guys are going to be out there. Cause I was always over there throwing on the side. If they, they took forever, I'm going to go get loose. They would always try to not have you interrupt, especially if it was like a jaw rule concert. Like, you know, they got the guys out there like spinning plates and then there's a guy out there with the dog and they're the people that are changing outfits like 38 times. Um, but it, so like in those, like you sneak in and get some buckets, but if it's a big live performance, like typically you kind of stay out of the way. Yeah. I had no problem with jaw rule getting trolled. <laughs> <laughs> there are times on here when I'm right and you are wrong. This Infrequently, this, but this is one of those times. Okay. <laughs> so when we talked about James Harden and he had those harsh comments yes. with Scott Foster, they didn't seem too bad, but I was like, nope, he's getting fined. And you, you were, were like, correct. why? <laughs> what did he say? I was wrong. He you went there, 25 grand for James Harden, uh, for his comments that were directed specifically at Scott Foster. They clearly have the beef. Uh, they clearly, he said they had a, uh, personal issue. When his comments, he said, I never really talk about officiating or anything like that, but just rude and arrogant. I mean, you're able to talk about him throughout the course of the game. And it's like, how do you build that relationship with officials? He got fined. I don't see anything it. fundamentally wrong with that, though. Why? why I mean, isn't, that, isn't it like in the CBA? I don't even know if it's that official, but well, you just are not allowed to criticize them at all. That Well, that was my thing. Like, I don't know what the language of that rule says, but I know you're not allowed to. I know you're not allowed to like bash their performance and their calls, right? Like you're not allowed to do that. But when you're just saying someone's arrogant, like, okay. <laughs> like what? I mean, that's a fact. Right. It, it's a fact. The dude is arrogant. Like I don't understand what he did that was so egregious to warrant 
the $25,000 fine. Now, I, I don't know what's dumber, the fact that he got fined or that it's 25000 because to James Harden, yeah. it really is not that much money. I mean, that's, yeah. Like, like James 40 Harden. bucks. Correct. Like a $40 like here, you know, that. side parking ticket. Right. Like, here, I'll just pay it anyway. So I don't, the whole thing is kind of a sham. I get that they don't want all their players bashing him. I actually side with you that I think it was dumb to fine him for that. I just knew it was going to come. Yeah. Um, better, better thing, NBA, just don't let Scott Foster do their games anymore. That, that was, I think they should actually listen to your yeah. suggestion about don't let them, you could have two officials in a season where you say, I don't want that guy in our game. Correct. Especially in the playoffs. It, yeah, cause that's the when you should be able to do it. Yeah. For sure is in yeah. the playoffs. Um, the combine is this week. Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. My new favorite quarterback. Yeah, I'll my new favorite quarterback. Because he said he's going to throw. throw. Exactly, he's going to throw because right. that's what quarterbacks do. They throw the football. Right. Everybody has their own decision. He said that he will throw on Saturday. I actually do think I'm leaning towards Dwayne Haskins as the number one quarterback in this class. And I'm – Wait, were you up in the air before that? I was – because, yeah, because last year I was big on Baker Mayfield. Right. Went back and watched a lot of uh, Kyler Murray. Right. He's incredible from the pocket. But I think Dwayne Haskins has more upside. I think he's more durable. And I, and it, like, I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm taking the safe pick. But if I was a GM, I would take the safer pick too. And I still think he's a stud. Yeah, I think he's a stud too. He was always my, my number one. And I'm, admittedly, I haven't broken, broken down any film on he or, or, uh, on him or Kyler. But, um, he's bigger. Like, he, he was, like, his numbers he's were. More prototypical NFL. Like, it's and his numbers were. Him translate. Yeah, his, his numbers, numbers were video game charts. numbers too, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm probably taking Dwayne Haskins, but I, I have no beef with him throwing at the combine. No, you shouldn't. Like, yeah. dude, that's the thing. My beef is with Kyler Murray not throwing at the, at the combine. What if you're Kyler Murray and you're, so here's what I think you should try to do. I think you should try to accentuate your strengths, right? So Dwayne Haskins, good throw of the football, then I'm going to go throw. Yeah. Let's say he's, Let's say he hasn't been hitting the weight room and he's really weak. And the 225, he can't even, he can put it up twice, which would look bad. Wayne Haskins. And I would not do the 225. Right. I'm just, I'm like giving a hypothetical. So if you're Kyler Murray, I would say throw, but I would say, you know what? Don't get on a scale and don't give him your measurement. That's, see, I think you open yourself up for like. But let him guess. Because I think it'll hurt him worse to get on there and it says five, nine and a half. Yeah. I think that hurts him worse than if everybody's like, man, I wonder how tall he is. Like, is he real? Is he real? Is he real? I think you just let that be mysterious and you say, I'm, I don't even know if how many players have done that, but I would say accentuate your strengths and his height and weight are not one of them. So I would try to avoid that. I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I listen, you know I mean? if I were like, Kyler Murray, I go there and just do the interviews. Right. I just go meet with teams. Like, right. look, you That's got any questions? Can do that too. Let me just do that. I'm okay. not going to participate on field. You don't get to weigh me or measure me or I'm not going to run any of that. You can see me at my pro day, but I want to give every team that's here an opportunity to have their time with me that you wouldn't otherwise get to do at my pro day because there's too much going on. I'll sit and I'll answer any questions, but I'm out. Lamar Jackson, and I don't know why he didn't, he didn't run the 40 last year. Because he was blazing, but he was like, you know what? Look at me on tape. I can fly. Correct. Like, you know I'm why like, he didn't, he didn't want to run the forty? Because he didn't want to put up a number where people were like, "All right, you're a wide receiver." Right. 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 See, that's what I worry about. Where if uh, Kyler Murray goes in there, it's five nine and a half. They're like, "No way!" Like we just yeah. can't do it, even though we all kind of know it. I mean, I guess it's different when the tape says that. Exactly. No, it is. It is when it's, it's more different. official. Yeah. And I know his. Everybody's assuming he's gonna be five nine and seven eights because that's what his uh Oklahoma SID put out there. He hops up there at five eight and a half. I don't. Th- I think it'll be like five nine and a quarter. Yeah. They definitely scrunch you down. Like they're gonna be on there, like pressing down. It's gonna be there. I think he's gonna be shorter, and I think it's not gonna be the blowback is gonna be pretty significant. Right. Uh, when he comes out of there, there are reports that uh, Kyler is up to two oh six, which I think would help him. If he's if he's two oh six, then you say all right. You can take the uh take the pound take some of the have to take. But right. It's it's gonna be uh interesting to watch what he does this week anyway. Uh 
Last Chance You. You and I did a podcast special. Sure. On Last Chance You. What's his name? Jason what? What was his name? Brown. Jason, Jason Brown. Brown. So he has actually lasted a few years. When we watched that show, I was like, this dude's not going to last a year. Like, and <laughs> all of them are a little bit dicey. Like, yeah. Just all the episodes, they look crazy. Like you're giving these guys with checkered pass another opportunity. So you wonder if he's going to fight the players. For whatever reason, I was like, he's not going to make it that long. Now he has resigned because he's taking a lot of heat, deservedly so. There was a German player on his team, and he texted him, I am your new Hitler. Ugh. Not exactly the smartest thing to text a player. Like that's that's a fireable offense. He didn't get fired, though. I'm sure the school was like, look, you need to step down. So they let him control the message. Yeah. He didn't apologize. <laughs> he just put it out. He put out like a two-page statement about why he's on leaving. Twitter, and he put his list of accomplishments, which <laughs> is actually pretty good. He's like the highest uh, GPA we've had in the conference. Uh, he put the record. It used to be it was fourteen and eighty-two. The ten years prior, we had a three-year record of sixteen and fifteen. That's one way to see. Yeah, it. right. Only Seriously. one game above five hundred. Uh, but he lists all these accomplishments with like guys getting um, scholarships to to Division One school right. after they left there. Did not apologize. Like, I'm going to be fine. You know, I just, it was unfortunate. He called out the local newspaper. He's like, you guys are going to have to do soul searching when you realize how much you lost. The dude's not going down quietly. No, that's that. But that, that, I mean, that's kind of par for the course there, right? Like, I wouldn't have expected much less. I didn't think he was a great coach. Like, you know, just, you know, there were a lot of things that, 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 that you thought about him as a person and all right. that. But when I watched those episodes of him, like in game and how unorganized the sidelines were and how much the players were chirping, like good coaches have their stuff. That stuff is under control. Everyone understands who's making play calls and how things are going to run. And it was just pure dysfunction in his stuff all the time. So I, I don't even think he was that good of a coach. One of my favorite moments was just like the epitome of arrogance that he had was before their first game and he's in the hot tub with a cigar. Oh my God. That was and he's guy. like, I don't, I'm calling the plays. I don't even need to call. Yeah, I don't even need to. <laughs> I don't even need a play sheet. And they go out there and get smoked. Right. Their offense looks awful. He'll get another job though. Yeah. I just, I wonder what last chance he was going to do. They, they telling you, I know it's supposed to be Juco, but they need to come down to Florida Atlanta. And follow Lane Kiffin around and do FAU That'd as the great. last chance you. But it'd be it'd be great. I think they should do that. Follow him around. Uh, we saw Manny Machado, Manny Machado, yeah, get signed last week for ten years, three hundred million dollars. Somebody's calling from your guard gate. Oh yeah, somebody's probably trying to get. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Manny Machado was signed. There's a lot of speculation that Bryce Harper is going to come anytime soon. Okay. The Phillies were supposedly the done deal, right? But then you saw the Washington Nationals back away from the table, and all of a sudden you've seen the Dodgers supposedly hop in the table. Like really? they've, they've come to the bargaining table saying, maybe we want to swing at him. Scott, Bo I think this is all Scott Boris, his agent, who's trying to drive up the price for the Phillies. If you're the Phillies, do you ever be like, hey, we already, what are you, what are you doing? We gave you our best offer. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, what you like, and you take back some of it and be like, hey, if you want to mess with us and say you're negotiating with the Dodgers, we'll bump off a year of ours and only give you eight years as opposed I mean, to nine I, or ten. I guess it's about how bad you want them. But yeah, right. dude, like when I was a free agent, those dudes were like, listen, you take this deal now or it's not on the table in the morning. Right. Now I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't know. And your agent's like, yeah, well, I can get you a couple more million, but like, you got to understand that maybe I can't get you a couple extra more million. Right. So what are you going to do? And but I'm he's like, Bryce Harper, one of the best players in baseball. Like, no, they're not they want, pull away. They want him, they want him bad enough. But yeah, I'd be like, listen, we've been negotiating in good faith for the last like couple weeks. Like, you know, what's up? What are we, what Would are we going to do? you rather play in LA for $20 million less than living in Philly? $20 million less? Out of 300. Still 280. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably, I like Philly. Yeah, I love Philly. No, I love Philly. Not about that. All right, I love it. We'll rate more cities tomorrow. You almost had me there, bro.